You can find my podcast and other podcasts similar to mine on the Christian podcast community at podcast.strivingforeternity.org. The Ear, Evangelical and Reformed, Christian Podcast. Welcome to The Ear, the Evangelical and Reformed, a Christian podcast that urges you to think deeper and draws you closer to God through faith. Through powerful sermons, teaching segments, and discussions, The Ear hopes to give you a different perspective on secular topics from a Christian worldview. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Please welcome your host, Brandon Queen. Good morning, podcast world. Welcome back to week two of Asking Jesus. This is a Lent devotional put together by Dr. Garrett Dawson of First Presbyterian Church, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And he is back today for us to go into more detail and to dive into his readings for this week. Uh, Dr. Garrett, how you doing, buddy? Doing fine. Thanks, Brandon. Um, I'm enjoying uh, this season of uh, focusing on all the things that people ask Jesus and how he replied to them. Yeah, it, it's awesome. Uh, reading through a couple of the um, the the readings, it's like, okay, man, I never thought about <laughs> looking at the scripture like this when it comes to reading these passages. Now, I've been in church for twenty plus years. Um, it's kind of weird that I'm saying that now, <laughs> but yeah. I, I've been in church my whole life, if you will, and I've read these passages over and over, and I never looked at it from this perspective until asking Jesus came out. Uh, so it, it was transformative for me to to start looking at Jesus through the lens of the questions people asked him, and realizing with the brilliance, the compassion, the wit, uh, the insights um, of his replies, and just how how amazing Jesus was that he could process so quickly and answer so beautifully, um, and realize that Jesus was always trying to engage in relationship through questions and answers. Uh, he wasn't just lecturing us. He was responding to us and, and taking us deeper. Yeah. And transforming our thinking process because if exactly. you, like, like think about it, Jesus always told or taught lessons in parables. Here's my, yeah. qu- here's my question for you, Dr. Garrett. Has you seen, have you seen anybody teach lessons in parables today? Uh, occasionally, but, Usually they'll say a parable and then explain it to folks instead of that kind of time released effect that Jesus parables would have where he would tell the story and then leave it and people would kind of look at him and then it would explode in their minds later of, oh, that's what he meant. <laughs> yeah. If if I had half the brain as Jesus, I would be a better person. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So I want to focus on the who's asking part of your readings. Sure. So I'm looking at day. I'm just going to pick a random day. I'm going to go to day three where um, the the title of day three is it's not it's not this Joseph's son. Uh, it's a question, basically. Um, right. But in that section, you, you have a who's asking. Let, let's talk about who's asking in that passage. Right. So uh, again, we're in Luke 4, and, and this is uh, where Jesus comes back to his hometown, and it's his, his first record, you know, recorded sermon. Uh, he's there on the Sabbath day, he's teaching in the synagogue. And the people who are asking then are people he grew up with. I mean, 
scholars tell us that Nazareth was only a few hundred people, so everybody knew everybody else. And Jesus had grown up in their midst, and suddenly now he was taking the lead at the worship service and explaining the scriptures with this beauty and brilliance and even saying they were about him. And the people are like, wow, uh, is this our guy? Is this our hometown guy? So all his his family, his relatives, his neighbors, uh, the fellow townspeople are asking that question. Don't we know this guy? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Now, going further in Luke 4, um, and especially in your reading, you also capitalize on the question within the question. Uh, now, yeah. I want you to, to tell us what that question is and then give a give a pause real quick because I want I want to try something. Sure. So it seems to me in some ways, first, you know, they're speaking well of him when they ask that question, as if to say, hey, could it be that the Messiah is actually one of our hometown boys? Kind of like when um, somebody in a small town, say, you know, North Louisiana becomes a star pitcher, and all of a sudden the whole town is so proud of him going, hey, isn't Bob from our town? I mean, we're so proud that he's now pitching in the majors. And they were thinking, hey, we've got the Messiah is going to be our guy, and that means we're going to get special honor and special favor. So they were really thinking, this looks really good for us if this brilliant young man is from our town. But they were correct. Think about it. You know, they're, they're saying they if, were. if this Messiah is our guy and he's from our hometown and we get all these special privileges, if you will, they were right because – I don't think yeah. they I don't think they knew or they did know they just didn't put the pieces together that that very kid if you will uh that very 12 or 13 year old was the same 12 13 year old that was going to be nailed to a cross several years later for their salvation. It's going to be the right. the same Jesus that was on the cross that ripped the veil between the holies of holies that way you and I today can have direct access to Jesus to the Father. No, they're just thinking he's going to be this this great, great leader, this popular teacher who's going to make them look good. Right. But, they were simple-minded. <laughs> yeah. But I got to tell you, Jesus replied to them. It's like if you were teaching somebody how to teach people and to win a big audience, you would give Jesus an F for this in terms of if your whole goal is to get people to like you and give to your ministry and swell your church attendance, you would never do what Jesus did. Because they go, hey, isn't this Jesus' son? And Jesus says, yeah, and you know what? Let me tell you about you guys. It's <laughs> going to be better in the day of judgment for the people from Sodom and Gomorrah than it is for you. Um, you guys, I would tell you, and there were pagans who understood what God was up to in Israel better than you do. In other words, he deliberately provoked them. He wouldn't take the projection of, oh, you got to be our hero he told them, look, I'm bringing God's light and truth. And by the way, if you think it's just to make you look good, you're missing the whole point. Hmm. Hmm. And, you know, let's be honest, Doc, Dr. Garrett. We we tend to want people to like us, want people to attend our church. Um, I'm not going to say we want the money to come in because that's not the, the reasoning for why we do ministry. But we definitely yeah. want people to attend our churches and, uh, you know, like us as a pastor or an elder or what have you. Um, but Jesus is like, no, you know, let's just have that real simple worship. L let's let's know who Jesus, let's know who God is, the father is, and let's understand why I'm here. And like you said, look, Jesus was a provocative person. 
He he did not hold back any punches. Um, and just imagine if men of God today were like that. Just imagine oh, how provocative that great. would be. It, it would be great. It would be great. And, and instead, what we do is we have this idea, you know, that comes from the prosperity gospel, is that well, the purpose of Jesus is to help me live the life that I dream that I want, and that His job is to bless me. I mean, I accept Him as my Savior, and then He's supposed to give me all the things I want for my life. And in a story like this, Jesus is saying, "No, actually, not. I'm not here." to give you the life you imagine. I'm here to give you God's life and his mission for you. That's of eternal significance. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and then just to change gears a tad bit, a lot of people forget about Simeon and his prophecy over Jesus. Yeah. Uh, you know, he says that behold, that this child is appointed um, for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and that word opposed, hmm, what we mean? What does he mean by that? Well, many came to reject him. And I'll let you unpack that a little bit more. No, that's quite a prophecy, holding the infant Jesus in his arms and saying, you know, this is the Savior and the Messiah, but not everybody's going to be able to receive that because he's also the Lord who demands our complete allegiance. And when the light shines in the darkness, the darkness often turns from it because we don't like that bright of light. We don't want to be have to confess our sins and change our lives. We'd rather not have that kind of salvation. Um, so Simeon understood that when the Messiah arrives, uh, it is the best possible news for all of us, except for when we want to hold on to our own lives and be our own masters and our own gods. Then it's bad news for us because God will have no other gods before him. And that that's right. And, and the funny thing is, let, let's take a look at the word loyalty, for example, or the act of loyalty. There's a lot of loyal people here in, in Louisiana and the United States and so forth and so on. Um, and loyalty can be both good and bad because you can be loyal to, let's say, an employer um, and you give them your all. You do everything you need to do. Um, but right. you, but you also don't waver from your beliefs in God. You hold true, you hold true to your beliefs. You act out your beliefs as best as you can. Now, granted, we're still human. We're going to make mistakes. But then when Simeon talks about that, the, you know, the allegiance, if you will, of Jesus Christ and our allegiance to him. Yeah. Christians are loyal naturally as they should be. Um, but let's talk about that loyalty to Jesus Christ. Our, People say, yeah, I'm loyal to Christ. I've never left the faith. I've never, you know, blasphemed his name. I've taught people about him and what have you. But we forget about our sin that actually cuts that loyalty off quick, fast, mm-hmm. and in a hurry. Um, you know, so when I read this entire reading, I'm thinking, okay, you know, my sin gets in the way. And I'm even questioning who is this Jesus. But when I should be questioning who is this Brandon? Yeah, oh, okay. that's that's the insight right there. Right. And and during Lent, it's like, okay, I really, really have to die to self. I really have to give up who I am and fully embrace the identity that Jesus Christ bestowed upon me upon his death and live out in that manner versus living out in a wretched, ignorant, foolish, Brandon way. You know, I, I have Absolutely, to I have yeah. to swap personalities, if you will. Now, I'm not calling for, uh, <laughs> you 
you know, split personalities or whatever, but I have to swap that personality to where Jesus, when you look at me, when Dr. Gary Dawson looks at Brandon Queen, he sees a man that's trying his best to live like Jesus did. Yeah, Paul would say he, he look, regards no one now according to the flesh, but if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. So we begin to regard each other as being in Christ, as having our fundamental identity in him. Um, that's what really begins to change us and transform us. Right. You know, just like, uh, again, in Luke, just like Jesus read out, you know, he opens up the scroll and he says that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and then to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rose up the scroll and everybody's like, he did not just say he did. He just I know he didn't. (laughs) yeah but but that's that's how we yeah that's how we have to apply the image of christ to our lives and look during this season of lent i think much more now than ever every christian needs to take this this message or take this identity that's given to us and live it out at least for the next 40 days you know and trust god with that image he's given us Versus acting out on our own. Yeah, and so too, I mean, I think to engage these scriptural encounters with Jesus, where we become the people in the stories and say, okay, how does Jesus encounter me? How does he meet my need? But how does he challenge my selfishness? How does he fill in the gaps in me? But how does he also call me to more mission? Um, It's in that dialogue, that real relationship with him that comes from entering the Bible stories as if we were there. It really gets a lot of energy going um, to really ramp up our relationship with him. Yeah. Amen. Now, my next question is, how can we appreciate Lent? Well, besides the fact that we're sorry that we gave up chocolate and <laughs> wine and <laughs> soft drinks. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great question. I think we appreciate it because just like when you begin a program of increased exercise, uh, after a, a couple of weeks, you begin to realize, I feel better, and I can see the difference. Uh, similarly, in Lent, when we begin a time of increased spiritual exercise, you know, taking longer to focus on the Scripture, praying a bit more deeply, trying to be more aware of our obedience to Christ, it's hard because it's, it requires us to be intentional and not just passive. But after a week or two, we start to realize, I feel better. I'm noticing more needs of people that I can bless. I feel closer to God. And so then you begin to realize, wow, this workout can might make me sweat spiritually, but it's actually making me more robust. And it's it's really worth it. Yeah, that's that's Lent. <laughs> that, it's Lent. You know, that, that's the whole point of you know, taking this time to focus and, and look to my listeners, you know, this, I'm not sitting here saying, um, you're horrible people because you don't observe, observe Lent like we do. Um, or I'm not calling Catholics hypocrites because they don't observe Lent like we do. What I am trying to do, especially with this uh, series on asking Jesus is to show that humans are fickle. We, (laughs) We will change when the wind change. We will fluster when one ounce of disappointment comes our way. But again, for the next 
40 days, let's hone in and let's focus on why we're taking these 40 days to do whatever we're choosing to do. Um, You know, why are we choosing to be more kind to people in the next 40 days? Why are we, you know, trying to be healthier within the next 40 days, if you will? What is Jesus calling me to within these 40 days before Easter? Uh, And I think we need to focus on that. You know, Hebrews, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 11, 13 says that how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So we got. We have a season of asking, Lord, how can I be more like you? Lord, remove this, this sin from my life. Uh, Lord, you know, help me to give up the things that entangle me and keep me from fully worshiping you. You know, let's focus on that in this time frame. That's good. And and what, what I find really helpful about encountering Jesus through scripture is that it gives me an internal motivation for that rather than just, you know, I should be nicer. I should be more devoted, you know, kind of like an obligation. But when I actually encounter the Jesus who comes to me and says, Hey, I am willing to heal you, or I can still the storms in your life, or um, I can um, stop, you know, the sorrow that you have with, with my love that motivates me from the inside out to say, Oh, I do want to sit near you. I want to be close to you. I mean, it's interesting. Jesus, sinners didn't run away from Jesus. They were drawn to him. Um, we often think, you know, I, only good people should like Jesus. But actually, his, his grace was so overwhelming that um, they didn't find Jesus to be a legalist. They found him to be um, this gracious master who, who right. changed him from the inside out. Right. Absolutely. I mean, Look, he did it to you and I, you know, and we want to share that with the world, with the non-believers and the believers. You know, we want to keep sharing that. Um, Now, my last question, Dr. Garrett, is if Jesus were here today and during the season of Lent, what would you ask him? I love that question because, you know, the the final kind of questioning of Jesus happens is, as we've talked about um, the Emmaus Road story, where on Easter afternoon, two disciples are walking on the road with Jesus, and they don't know that it's him, that he's risen from the dead. And he starts talking to them about the scriptures, and they're having a dialogue about what it means that the Messiah must suffer and then be raised. And I think, what would you ask Jesus if you had a two-hour walk with him? What would you, what would you want to know? And some ways at first, you know, you might think I'm going to ask the most obvious questions like, um, how did you create the world? Was it spontaneous creation or was it evolution or some combination of that? Or you might ask him a question like, okay, why is there so much suffering in the world if you're a good God? Um, Those kind of questions that plague us. But if you were talking to us and you got a little bit deeper, you might start saying things like, you know, do you really love me? How can you actually care for someone like me? Or how can I know that my loved ones who've died are still alive in you? Um, how can I trust that the future is a good one in a dark world such as this? You kind of start to get down to the real heart questions and, and realize those are the ones Jesus wants to answer. Hmm. Right. You know, I would probably ask him, when is my last day on earth? <laughs> when I get, yeah. when can I get to go be with you? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. And uh, what's the what's the Powerball number for next week? Yeah, that too. <laughs> no, yeah. but but again, Doctor Garrett, it's awesome to have these discussions with you. And I look forward to the upcoming weeks uh, as we continue to journey through the season of Lent. Uh, and again, to my listeners, if you want a copy of this, please reach out to First Presbyterian Church Baton Rouge uh, to get a copy. I'm actually going to add some links into the show notes on how you can obtain a copy of this. But the quickest way to get to jump in and, and join us is to uh, actually have these daily readings emailed to you. Um, and that will also be added to the show notes. So that's all I have for today. Again, Dr. Garrett, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Brandon. God bless. Same to you. You have reached the end of yet another episode from The Ear. We hope that God's word remains on the ears of the listeners. We pray that this podcast would urge you to go forth and spread his good news to the world. Thank you for tuning in. Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. See you at the next episode. God bless you and may his glory shine upon you.